Lee and I took a trip whitewater rafting and we, we had a pretty harrowing experience as a lot of people do when they do that. When you're from the flatlands of Florida and you go out to the mountains of Colorado and you do something that you've never done and you get up close to death and it, it really marked us. I began to formulate a story around that experience. And so for 13 years, I really let fear keep me from doing it. I don't know. Everybody has an inner critic and I really let my fear of I, I'm not good enough. I could never do that. I, I, there's no way I'd be able to do. It's not going to be successful. I'm not all those things. After about 13 years of that, it was so strong inside of me, this concept that was almost like God wouldn't let me not do it. And what I began to realize is that God was calling me to the creative process. He was calling me to the process and journey of writing a book more than he was calling me to a product. Welcome to another episode of the Live Lead Last podcast, and thanks for tuning in. I'm James Duvall, and I'm here with Lisa, my studious wife and co-host. Ooh, studious. I like it. Yeah, well, you just started your final stretch in your internship for school, so I think it's appropriate. Okay, then, and I am ready to be done. Yes. Today, we have a really special guest. James, we have been friends with Michael and his wife, Leah, for going on 20 years. Before we go there, though, I want to remind listeners that the easiest way to stay up on new episodes, show notes, bonus content, and exclusive offers and have them delivered directly to your inbox each week is to text the word LIVE, L-I-V-E, to the number 22454. You will receive a text response with a short form to enter your first name and email address and you will be all set. That's right. I also think there's something else we need to take care of before we get into the interview. I know what it is. Lay it on us. (laughs) Well, now don't be so dismissive. I know that there have been some crazy holidays throughout the year, but today I think you're going to really like what is really a relatively new national day. It's a beautiful day today because Lisa, you ready for it? I am, and I haven't read this, so I'm I'm really going to be surprised. It's No Politics Day. That's right. Praise the Lord. (laughs) I love it. That's right. Turn off all the pundits, a day without conspiracy theories and impeachment talk. It's a day when, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, we can just all be civil. A day break from all the arguing, bickering, nastiness, and negativity. It is for this reason that No Politics Day was conceived. I could not be happier. (laughs) It's pretty cool, isn't it? And the guy we can think is named Bob Matthew from Rochester, New York, and he established a day back in 2017. Bob, I love Bob. There are a couple of things that I would like to say about that. First, Mr. Matthews deserves some kind of award. And secondarily, I learned that anyone can actually start a new holiday. Hmm. So on a more serious note, today is also the first day of Black History Month to celebrate the incredible contributions of black men and women who have helped to make our country so great. And Lisa, that's why it's a beautiful day today. I am so excited about that beautiful day today. I have celebrated and I will embrace it fully. Well, let's jump into our conversation with Michael Neal. Michael is a pastor, author, Dove Award winning songwriter. He is an incredibly gifted, creative thinker. He and his family reside in Dallas, Texas. This conversation is so good. So let's jump into it. Michael, it's great to have you on the podcast. My friend, really appreciate you spending some time with us today. We've been friends for a long time, and this is really an honor having you on. 
Man, it is my honor to be with you guys. Anytime you get to do this kind of stuff with your friends, life is much richer. I've been looking forward to this. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So the Neals and the Duvalls go way back a little over 20 years, which is hard to believe. Our kids were little ones and now all grown up. We've had the opportunity to watch and celebrate many of the accomplishments you've had, Michael, over the years through your creative career. I have said many times, I know Michael Neal, and he could write any song about any topic, write a power ballad for just about anything. That's true. And so from the glorious wonders of the ice maker or a compelling song about Chick-fil-A, on the spot, I have a high bar set for you, but I, I really believe you could do it. I don't know about Chick-fil-A. Kanye's already stolen that one. Yeah. Michael could do it better, though. But you have written some songs about some crazy subjects, I'm sure. I probably have. Yeah, it has become a little bit of a thing, and I've been on retreats before and had some funny episodes and stories, and we fold those into songs. And, and when you put something a little story to a melody, it really sticks for a long time. So you got to be careful. But yeah, yeah I, it's great being with you guys. We do have a lot of memories and a lot of fun and a lot of history, a lot of ministry together. So this is going to be great. Michael, you're one of the most prolific creatives that Lisa and I know, and, and you express that creativity in a lot of different ways. You've written a lot of songs and you've written books. You've actually created and produced at least one theatrical musical production around one of your books, The River, which was really amazing. And obviously, your creativity is evident in your leadership as well. We're going to spend a lot of time in this podcast talking about the creative process. But before we do that, I was wondering, this may be kind of a broad question, but if you could just take us back and share with us a little bit about your journey when you realized that you had this creative edge and then when you knew it was what you wanted to do with your life. Well, yeah, absolutely. I, I think I was one of those fortunate ones. I think early on as a kid, there was one thing that I really gravitated towards and that was music. And it became a very singular focus for me really early on. So I remember as a young child picking out music from the radio and going to the piano and playing it, figuring out, oh, wow, I can train translate what I'm hearing into notes on the piano. And as a young child, my mom, she was a church pianist, a church organist, and we would have a little, little tiny church of about 75 people, little country church, and different revival musicians or preachers would come through, and they'd have a little band with them, and they'd sing. And I just remember thinking as a small child at one of those events that God had something for me to do to help people experience Him through music. So I started really early and started on that path, and it was really singular focus for me. And I think as I got older, where the creativity really started to blossom into like songwriting and things like that, as I was a, became a teenager, I, I had gotten a card, a birthday card from a distant relative. It was a very sweet, kind Hallmark card. It had something written from someone else in it, right? And then at the bottom of the Hallmark card, it was just love aunt so-and-so. Like they just literally just signed the Hallmark card and sent it to me. And I thought, oh, you, that didn't feel terribly, thank you. Thank you for spending the, the stamp and putting it in the mail. But I didn't really have a, a connection to her or what she'd said. She just signed somebody else's words. And I think when I began to think about my worship of the Lord and my communication with God, I just got really frustrated with signing someone else's card wow. when I talked to the Lord. And so it became this 
journey for me to write my own card. Like, and, and I liken it a little bit to our kids are a little older now, but when they were younger, when they would do these little art projects, my little one, my, my Wyatt, who's now seventh grade, that he would come to me and he would bring me the, had the googly eyes and the pipe cleaners and, the, and everything g- glued onto this piece of construction paper, right? And he'd bring it to me and this is for you, dad, this is for you. And I would look and I would be like, wow, this is unbelievable. It was the most precious art to me. Now, I couldn't make out what it was. It was, it was fairly deformed and it was a, a little guy had done this, right? But it was his and he was so passionate about bringing that to me. He took his time and he made this for me. And that had a different connection when he had such an investment in it. And so for me, I just, I look at it a little bit like that, that I, I'm, I'm kind of fumbling my way through. But when I communicate with the Lord, when I bring things into the world, I'm, I'm trying to create the card, not just sign it. What was the transition from moving from songwriting to writing books? Because that's that's a big jump, I would think. I mean, obviously there's a creative process in it, but writing a three-minute song lyrics to writing 50,000 words and putting a story together is different. So what was that transition and, and what compelled you to dive into that world? It's a miracle, James and Lisa, that I wrote a book, much less a few books. It really is a miracle. And, I, and I'm not being falsely humble or anything like that. It, it really is a miracle. I don't know if I even read a full book through high school. Like I really struggled to focus. Reading and comprehension wasn't good for me. It was hard for me to do. And so I always thought, well, I wonder what it'd be like to write a story or to, I always thought about it, but I thought, no, nah, that'll never happen. Leah and I took a trip, whitewater rafting, and we, we had a pretty harrowing experience as a lot of people do when they do that. When you're from the flatlands of Florida and you go out to the mountains of Colorado and you do something that you've never done and you get up close to death and it, it really marked us. I began to formulate a story around that experience. And so for 13 years, I really let fear keep me from doing it. I don't know. Everybody has an inner critic. And I really let my fear of I'm not good enough. I could never do that. There's no way I'd be able to do. It's not going to be successful. I'm not all those things. After about 13 years of that, it was so strong inside of me, this concept that was almost like God wouldn't let me not do it. And what I began to realize is that God was calling me to the creative process. He was calling me to the process and journey of writing a book more than he was calling me to a product. Creativity is, I believe, an invitation to intimacy with God. Really what God did in me through the process of writing was even greater than maybe the impact of some of my writing. And so it was really hard. The first book, The River, that I wrote, it's a work of fiction. I wrote the first 30,000 words, got it in front of a friend of a friend who was a, a book person. It worked in the publishing industry. And his response to me was, well, I can tell you're not a writer. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I kind of went, oh, okay. And he said, but you have a really great idea and you have a really unique voice, like how you word things. And so you should go figure out w- what it means to write well and then do it. And so I trashed that 30,000 words and read everything I could put my hands on, on story and construction of grammar and how to develop characters and plot and all those kinds of things for about a year and a half. And I started over and went on to finish the book and self-publish it and all that. It's a, it's a long story, but it, you're exactly right, James. Moving from a, a hundred words of a song to 50,000 words is a big jump. But here's the cool thing is that when you learn the process of writing, you realize that it's really just one sentence, one paragraph at a time. You just have to have a longer view and you have to be willing to put the time in to to get to the other side of a bigger project like that. 
Yeah, I want to hit on something before we go on because I was actually thinking about this today. I think sometimes creatives who write or who produce can sometimes come across very confident because of the product that they produce and people see the outflow of it. But I think creativity really requires a lot of courage. Courage is being willing to do it even in the midst of fear. And you said that it's like you're fearful of it. There's stuff that held you back. But I think creativity requires creative courage to go, I believe in this, but I'm not sure how it's going to fly. So I'm going to release it anyways and just see what happens. I, I remember when you started some of the process of writing what turned out to be the river it started as kind of a devotional for some people and to see what it actually ended up after doing the hard work is really amazing the process of that well I think about our listeners that may not be creatives although I, I'm sure we have plenty of them but of course all of us have creativity in us somewhere even I'm not a songwriter or singer or a musician but I do have creative things in me but I think that whole journey of courage and pressing through endurance doing hard work going back starting over going back through that is for any of us who have an opportunity in front of us that seems insurmountable. I just feel like that spoke courage and life over people to go. You see someone like yourself, Michael, that's been able to accomplish these things. And it isn't just last night that happened. That's been, this has been a long journey of hard work. One of the other things, James, you and I can hold on hope to for all the parents out there. If Michael didn't read a book in his whole (laughs) (laughs) educational life, there's hope. There's There's hope hope for all of us. kids. That's great. Yeah. yeah, I didn't tell my own children that. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, but Dad, you didn't do it either. Yeah, exactly. They would have totally used that against me. But you're right, Lisa. There's something to be said. So many times we focus on stewarding the results. Mm-hmm. And the results are in our hands. God gives us this ground to tend and we worry about, well, how many people are going to know about or hear about or respond to this? And sometimes he's just calling us to put some seed in the ground and tend the ground that we've been given and he'll decide where that goes. But but in the meantime, if, if we are faithful, it really comes down for me. It came down to stewardship with the first book. I think it was like, I have something that I feel like is going to not only bring me more close to my relationship with God, but it's going to bring beauty and hope and healing to other people. And so this is a stewardship issue. Like this is something I have to serve other people with. It's not about me per se. So it's time to step into the work that it takes. So I love where we started with the card and that someone signed their name to it and you wanted to be the person writing that. Just that idea that you're made to create or made to make things. We'd love to hear you unpack your creative process a bit for a lot of years, just been in the world of just making things. Now I've been stepping back and kind of documenting what is actually happening because I have people coming and saying, hey, how do I really write this song or more than one song? Or how do I get this book idea to fruition? Or how do I form that nonprofit? Or how do I, whatever it might be, I've started documenting, okay, this is really what happened and the things that God really took me through to be able to unlock and unleash some of the creativity that was in me. I go back to in the garden in the book of Genesis, there's so much obviously in how God created the world and what he did to create man and woman in his image. He said he created them. And there's all kinds of really fun stories behind the words of creativity that are used there. But when he gets to Genesis 2.8, he says, now the Lord God planted the garden in the east in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed or created. Uh, It's like pressing of clay together is what that original language means. And in verse 15, he said, the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden to work 
work it and to take care of it. And the word there in the, in the Hebrew is abad, which means to cultivate. It's like an agrarian term. So it's like a farmer's term. It's to turn the dirt. It's to get your hands in the dirt and turn it. I love that visual that we're actually tending a garden. We're tending the soil of what God has gifted us to do. And so looking at this process, I started to see some patterns that we go through. And I identified these seven I's, seven words that start with the letter I. Helps me remember. I'm a little slow. I need things that are things I can remember. And I saw these seven eyes, these buckets, these areas of creativity that my creative process had to go through. And depending on the size or the scope of what we were creating at the, at the time, I would land in, in a certain area of these buckets for, for longer periods of time. So can you unpack those for us? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the really important thing I want to help maybe some of your listeners know that, that I've discovered is when you're talking about bringing your art or bringing your creativity into the world, we get into the game because we have taste. We have something that we want to see. If you're decorating a space, if you're a home decorator, or if you're an artist or a painter, you've seen something that's moved you and you want to create something that is beautiful. And if you're a musician, you want to create something that's beautiful. We have taste of what we want to experience, but when we get into it, we're not there yet. We, we write that first song and we listen to it back and we go, oh my gosh, I thought that was amazing, but it's really terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the only thing that closes the gap between what we envision of creating and what we've started creating is a volume of work. Yeah. It's that turning of the dirt. So I'll give you my seven eyes. And sure. I'm writing a lot around this. There's a new book being formed around this. The first eye is illuminate. This is when you get the idea. This is the light bulb moment. Everybody has them. And the question is, what are we doing with them? How are we collecting them, procuring them? How are we positioning ourselves to get those light bulb moments? And you may say, well, I don't have creative. I hear people say that all the time. I'm not creative. That's just simply not true. Everyone is made in the image of God. God is creator and he's given us a garden to tend. He's given us creativity. And so it may not look like a painting, but it may not look like a song, but everyone can create. So the first thing is illumination, that illumination illuminate moment. It's the light bulb moment. It's the song idea. It's the idea for a nonprofit that's going to solve a problem in your community. Everybody has those moments and it's really important that we procure them, that we document them, and that we position ourselves to get those moments. So I, I love talking about that. The second I is ideate. This is when we go through the process of really blue skying all the opportunities around the idea. And again, the, the scope of the thing that you're working on, you may or may not live in one of these spaces more than the other, but it's really important that we take and explore all the ideas. The third I is investigation. When I'm going to write a book, I am investigating the marketplace. I'm investigating who's talked on this subject first. What is out there? Am I answering questions nobody's asking? I'm really trying to unearth what all is available to me. What's the scope of what I'm trying to accomplish? All of that. The fourth I is the incubation process where everything is beginning to develop. And Many times, depending on the size of the effort, the size of the thing that you're trying to create, this process may be moments and it may be years. For me, my first book and novel that has spawned a lot of different work in ministry, it was a 13-year incubation process. Crazy. 13 years. There's wonderful stories of filmmakers and people that had certain ideas and concepts that they allowed to incubate. They allowed the timing to be right, and they didn't release them for decades. And so sometimes it just depends on what your situation. The fifth I is iterate. You're just making reps. When you write one song, you're writing another song. You're writing another song. If you're writing a verse 
for that particular song and you've got the form down, I'm going to write seven or eight lyrical options for that one section of the song. The iteration, that volume of work, this is when we really get better. This is when we're putting the time in. Like Malcolm Gladwell talks about the 10,000 hours. And then the last two are invite. This is where we invite trusted sources and friends into our process to help us give feedback and, and refine. And then the last I is improve. And that's when we are renovating our ideas. We're improving our ideas. We're improving the art. And, and then all of these eyes are like concentric circles. They really feed into one another and they'll, they'll start over. And it's a really beautiful process. But when you kind of demystify it and you see, oh, this is how this is happening, it really is fairly empowering for people. Yeah, I love that. I'm interested, which one of those is the easiest for you? Because I'm sure there's there's probably places in the process that are are easy and difficult. So which one's the easiest for you? Which one's the most difficult? I would say the incubation process can be the most difficult because it requires a measure of trust and patience. And that's usually there's a lot going on in you internally or you really want to launch the thing, but it's not the right time. The resources aren't there. It's not the right space. You don't have the right version of it sewn up. I've got things like that in my queue right now that you just feel like you've got to get them off the launching pad. And sometimes that is the case, but I think the incubation waiting process, none of us like to wait. So the waiting process is a little bit challenging. I would say the easiest thing for me would be either probably illuminate or ideate. Yeah, I can see that. You know what I mean? You're getting song ideas in conversations. You're, you're just, your antenna's always up for, for things. And I love to dream about what could be and, and to help other people do that, to help them mine their ideas to something to fruition. So I love the ideation process. And these are all necessary in one form or another, but those definitely would be the ones that one is a little quicker and one's a, a little longer. And that's typically the case with us, right? Us humans, we like it to kind of be now and, and immediate and it rarely is is. Yeah, I want to pull a thread just a little bit on something you said earlier about the cultivating aspect of working the dirt, that in between the volume of of work. I think sometimes people think success happens overnight. You're a Dove Award winning songwriter. It means you've you've written a song that's got a, a big award in the Christian music world. But before you wrote that Dove Award winning song, how many songs do you think you wrote that weren't Dove Award winning songs? That's a really good thread to pull, James. You're right. There was probably about 300 songs written before that one. Okay. That volume of content to actually hone the craft is so important. I think a lot of times people see the outflow or the best work, the thing that that hits, but they don't see all the hard cultivating of the soil and that volume of content. Just like you said, you wrote 30,000 words for your first book and scrapped it all and then had to write another 50,000 words to actually get the book to where it was. Well, here's the thing. When people focus on the product and the impact of the product before they're focusing on the process, what ends up happening is we frustrate ourselves every time. It's like John Maxwell when he says, be growth-oriented, not goal-oriented. Yeah. The idea of when we really fully understand that the beauty is in the process, like the most beautiful things that you will experience is actually in the work. So So that particular scripture that I was talking about in Genesis, that happened before the fall. He didn't give them the work to do as a result of their sin. He gave them the work to do as a part of the design of the joy that he had for them. So work isn't a result of sin. Work is a part of how we're wired. 
And so to be able to create is a part of the joy and the beauty. And so when we despise the work, we lose the joy and then we make bad stuff. When you get into the process of being willing to do the work and just go back and keep writing and keep going back to the drawing board and, and, and iterating, and it's really important that we improve our iterations. Sometimes we don't want to just keep doing the same thing over and over. I remember when I was a kid learning how to play classical music and I would play these, these sonatas and I would always rehearse the part that I knew. I'd be like, oh, this sounds amazing. Oh, this sounds amazing. And it was like, that's great. However, we've got to learn the whole song. And sometimes if we don't evaluate our iteration, if we don't evaluate our work, then we don't get any better. So it really is important in the improvement stage that we pay attention to what we're doing and we're getting people to help speak in and coach what we're doing. But you are exactly right. There's just no substitute for the work. So this is a book you're working on right now that is not titled quite yet because you're being creative about the title right now, right? (laughs) I am. There's the working title. There's a working title. This isn't going to be 13 years from now that you're going to get this book out though, right? (laughs) He's got a lot quicker since his first book. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. I'll I'll be dropping content off on on this book probably through the summer and early fall and the book will release shortly after that. So I think we're titling it and I'm not secretive about it, but I think we're going to title it Hope in the Making. Mm. And it, it really is just an invitation to understand what God wants to do in you when you release the things he's put inside of you. What is God going to say to you in that creative process? And it is full of hope, full of joy, and full of beauty. And we can't hold back. I mean, I love what Henry David Thoreau said. He said, how vain is it to try to sit down and write when you have not stood up to live? Wow. And I think That's I think powerful. it's it's just so important and it's a stewardship issue. Everybody has creativity to bring to the world. Yeah. That's I love good. it. Okay. Whenever we have a guest on the podcast, we like to end by doing some fun random questions. Usually we do questions around would you rather? But today we thought we would dive into your artist side and ask a series of random artist questions. So whatever answer comes to your mind that is that most resonates with you is what you're going to give so that our listeners can get to know the Michael Neal better. Are you ready for this? I I'm don't be afraid. A little nervous, but yes, I'm ready. <laughs> hey, listen, we're going to take it easy on because you're a friend. Some people we oh. we ask some tough ones, but you know, these are these are good. So if there's five questions, and Lisa and I will go back and forth and ask you. So I'll start. If you could book your ultimate music festival, who would you have as your three headliners? Ooh, see, isn't this good? Living or d- dead or no, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> three headliners. Okay. Oh, I feel like. I'm going to be judged so hardcore on this. <laughs> this is a no judgment. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, so three, I'll just do really quick. If I'm doing a headline festival, got to go you 2 Got to go. Uh, <laughs> it's good to watch. Got to go. I got to go Billy Joel. Oh, that would be good. And ah, uh, third one's hard. Prince. 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 Oh, what a That nice. would be an interesting music festival. And you know what? I mean, Obviously, and that was just too. that was just for fun. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I think, and I've got five others in my head right now that I want to say, and now I can't say them. I already, but you only three, get three headliners. They could be they could be stage B and stage C, but the headliners are you two, Billy Joel, and Prince. Yeah. Oh man, I don't know, Michael Jackson. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Beatles. I mean, all, all right. those biggies. I'm trying to. You'll I don't know. Okay. All of y'all are judging me. I know you're judging no me. Okay, ju- go. If anyone's judging, that's not nice. Okay, so if you could co-write a song with anyone, who would it be with? 
We're really giving it to you, aren't you we? You don't have to say me. We've already co-written songs. <laughs> Man, we have, James. <laughs> if I could co-write a song with anyone. Man, I'm just, I'm such, this is where the perfectionism comes in because you can't. <laughs> It's like when somebody says, hey, what's your top three movies? When you're just like, this is too narrow. I can't do it. What genre? Okay. I'm I'm getting anxiety. How about if you're going to write uh, a pop song? Who would would you write that song with? Man, I'd love to to write with Ryan Tedder. I mean. Okay. I don't know who that is, but that sounds amazing. One Republic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll edit out my stupidity. Yeah, his his melody senses and his oh man, he's he's next level. Okay, I got an easier one here for you. What current artist or creator inspires you the most? Current artist or creator that inspires me the most? I would say I'm a huge fan of Randall Wallace. Okay, he's a screenwriter and a movie director. He he wrote the movie Braveheart, When We Were Soldiers, and Pearl Harbor, and all those. He's just a he's an incredible storyteller yeah, and is. and an incredible person. So to collaborate with with a guy like that would be pretty amazing. Okay, if you could play only one of your songs for a crowd of one hundred thousand people, which song would you play? It's your last song. Only one song. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I didn't know we could you, torture him so bad. It's, it's man, this is this is not nice. So I would say song. if I was going to play one of my songs, well, if I were doing it right now during this season at this time, I might do the song that I just wrote that nobody knows about oh. and nobody probably will. Uh, it's called This Is Not Forever. And it's a song written in the season of grief. There's a line in the song that says, you may not take the pain away, but you will take me through. And I think it's it's an acknowledgement of the sovereignty of God that he's with us. This is not forever. You are is the name of the song. So again, if I had a chance to get in front of 100,000 people to encourage them, that's probably what I would do right now because the, the season of life that we're all, all in. So when that song becomes a hit, we can say, hey, it was first talked about on the Literally Last podcast. That's right, James. Look at I us. don't know, James. There's a bunch of them. <laughs> the last one here. Here we go. Would you rather write one incredible album or 10 really great songs? Nowadays, 10 really great songs. Yeah. Because individual songs are what live on. And so 10 songs represent 10 entities, 10 pieces of art, 10 feeling. So yeah, I would say I would rather do 10 great individual songs than one just awesome album. Okay, Michael, thank you so much for spending time with us. Make sure you tell Lady Neil that we said hello and that we love her. If listeners want to learn more about you, where would we send them to online? Oh, I'm on the, the social world a little bit. Michael Neil, Michael underscore Neil Instagram and I'm on the Facebook there and I think there's a michaelneal.com out there that's got a little information on it. Did you just but call yeah, it the Facebook and the Instagram? I think I did. I did that kind of for fun. It shows yeah. my age. Yeah. It's what we're supposed to do right now. We're supposed yeah. to say I'm that. I'm in Texas now, so that their Facebook. <laughs> that their Facebook. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I'll put all that stuff in the show notes and I'm going to put some links to your books and your music so people can go and check out. If our listeners have not read The River or the sequel to it, it's really a great, great book, really inspiring, very encouraging. I know, Michael, you have other resources, devotionals, and you write a lot for worship leaders. And so we'll put all those links in there. Man, we appreciate you, appreciate your friendship and can't wait to continue to watch your journey and leadership and creativity and, and what you're making and releasing into the world. You really do 
make the world a better place by just what God's inspired in you. And so we, we just appreciate your time today. Well, it was an honor to be with you and Lisa. Just having lifelong friends is a rare thing. And so we, we count you as lifelong friends and, and what you guys are making and creating and the people you're leading and the lives you're impacting is just countless. And so we're grateful to be a part of it. Thanks for having me on. Man, there was some really good stuff in that conversation. I'm always so encouraged and challenged whenever I get to spend time with Michael. He is such a great thinker. I think you could add another word that starts with an I. Incredible. That's (laughs) right. Thanks again, Michael, for spending time with us. You can find all the links to Michael's books and social platforms in the show notes. You can find the show notes at www.liveleadlast.com. And for future shows, you can text the word LIVE, L-I-V-E, to the number 22454 to have new episodes, show notes, bonus content, and exclusive offers. And of course, they'll be delivered directly to your inbox each week. So next week, we have another really great guest, Kimberly Bean Holmes from Marriage Helper. Now, you don't want to miss it. She shares a couple of stories that are absolutely drop the mic stories. And she will also give some tips for Valentine's Day, which is right around the corner. I love it. You know what? You're not going to want to miss it because we were actually completely blown away with some of her stories. So it's going to be a great episode. You can follow us on Instagram and or Facebook at Live Lead Last Podcast. Leave us a comment or DM us. We'd love to hear from you. Until next week, lead your life and leverage your influence in a way that leaves a legacy you want tomorrow. Until then, bye-bye.